Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Studio on iHeartRadio. My name's Jordan Runtog, but enough about me. My guest today heralded his artistic arrival with his 1998 self-titled debut, a gloriously maximalist affair that marked him as both wildly talented and wildly unclassifiable. His musical maturity and dramatic flair set him apart, and since then he's defied expectations with a series of unpredictable but always intriguing projects, not to mention always rewarding. When he titled his last album Unfollow the Rules, it seemed less like a name than a mission statement. He's one of my musical heroes, and now he's paying tribute to a musical hero of his own. He famously restaged Judy Garland's iconic Carnegie Hall show in 2006, complete with a full band and a full audience. Now, in honor of what would have been her 100th birthday, he's releasing a more stripped-down affair. Backed by a jazz quartet, he recorded the tracks in Hollywood's historic Capitol Records studios. For an added dose of authenticity, he even employed a microphone she'd once used. The scaled-down arrangements are mirrored by the scaled-down audience. In this case, it was just one person. His friend Renee Zellweger, who portrayed Garland in the 2019 film Judy. My guest today has done an equally stunning job inhabiting the larger-than-life talent on this new record. Rufus does Judy at Capitol Studios. I'm so happy to welcome Rufus Wainwright. Judy. One of my favorite topics. I know one of yours as well. Um, you've talked about really first embracing uh, the Judy's Carnegie Hall album as a way of providing joy for yourself in the aftermath of 9-11. Given the, la- the last two years we've all had, I feel like we could all use a dose of that Judy Rufus magic right now. So I feel like the timing is perfect. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it wasn't actually nine eleven. It was it was the the, the invasion of Iraq, <laughs> which, which was after. I mean, because right after nine eleven, there was this moment, brief moment, when it seemed like the world was going to come together, and be you know supportive of of the United States and try to heal from that you know tragedy. But then all next thing you know, we were invading Iraq, and it was just such a kind of non sequitur and uh, really traumatic um, experience that I still. Think, believe we, we, you know, suffer the consequences of. So yes, at that point, the Judy record became a reminder of, uh, sort of a slim reminder of, 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 of just the occasions where, you know, the U.S. can be a fabulous place and create, you know, uh, love and, and, uh, and, and brilliance and, and, and positivity. And yes, I, I think definitely today in this day and age, especially even maybe even more than back then, at least domestically, um, we are uh, in a you know a pretty sad predicament, and, and 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 we have to once again you know try to resurrect what 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 makes this place a great place, the United States. I mean, just the the spirit of this music, I feel like it's so so necessary and needed right now. And obviously, you, your relationship with Judy transcends the Carnegie Hall album. You have a very deep relationship with the song "Over the Rainbow," which you've been singing since you were a child. How, how did you first? get in touch with with judy yeah yeah well it's funny because i had there's a there's a sort of there's a classic story at this point in my life where um when i first met lorna luft uh you know judy's daughter i was uh i think and, it, and this is all on film i believe somewhere i should find the footage anyways but i the, one of the first things i said to her was you know somewhere over the rainbow is my song <laughs> Uh, I just sort of brazenly, ex you know, expressed that because, you know, I, I sang it uh, since I was a little, little kid and, you know, just totally missing the point that, you know, it was actually written for her mother. So, so, um, so yes, I've always had a very uh, intense relationship to that piece of music, uh, mainly because my mother taught it to me when I was very young and she used, and I guess my, you know, rendition was so captivating that, that uh, it became a kind of weapon <laughs> that she could use you know, at parties and, you know, to either, you know, get, you know, get people's attention or to, you know, let's say end a, a, an evening, you know, where things had gotten a little too sloppy. So, you know, <laughs> bring down the kid and have him sing somewhere the rainbow and then I can go to bed kind of thing. So, so it was, uh, yeah, it had a whole range of, 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 um, of usages. And I love your rendition on this new live album. I, I the the acapella opening is just well, that, chills. Yeah, that well, that's very much an homage to my mother. Who yeah. sadly, Kate McGarrigle, who sadly uh, passed away over ten years ago. So, so me singing because on the uh, original Carnegie Hall album, it, she's accompanying me solo on the piano, and then you know, the orchestra comes in. So it's it's a nod to that. Oh, it's so beautiful. I mean, there's so many incredible moments on on this record. I mean, I, I wanted to ask you. To me, Judy Garland is just one of the most compelling figures in entertainment. I mean, her talent, her strength, her stories. I love her movies and her albums. I love the autobiography tapes she made where you just hear her fire. I just think it, it, it's so, so captivating. What is it about Judy that, that captivates you? Yeah, well, I mean, it started early, um, you know, with The Wizard of Oz and all of that. Um, but I will say that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a funny little family connection as well because, you know, my dad, Loudon Wainwright the third. He was actually briefly, or, or for for a couple of years, uh, brought up uh, in um, in in Beverly Hills, 
because his father, my grandfather, Loudon Jr., was he was covering Hollywood for Life magazine. And they 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 were friends with Judy. Um and uh and 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 in fact Judy Garland I think babysat my dad once or something. <laughs> and uh and him and Liza used to hang out as as when they were around ten years old. So 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 there is actually a personal connection. Um and, and I'm now, you know, quite good friends with, with Lorna as well. So it's been, you know, a couple of generations here, or three, arguably. And um but but yes, on in terms of her music and her um you know, star status and, 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 and the power of her, of her, of her legacy. Yeah, no, that, that, that hit me young. And, and then all through my life, you know, whether it was, you know, my, my trials and tribulations with addiction or my, you know, desire to be like the best singer possible or my, you know, just wanting to have a laugh. Um, you know, Judy Garland was always there as a, as a beacon of, of sorts. Oh, that's what, has always fascinated me about her. I mean, she, this hope and these bluebirds and rainbows in the face of these tremendous, you know, personal demons and and just th that strength that she always displayed. I you mentioned the story with your father. I love your song, "Me and Liza." Uh, I that's, I think is a tribute to that. It's, it's a great track. Definitely, definitely. So this album, you recorded the album at uh, Capitol, and you used the mic she used, which that must have been just so special. I'm a huge believer in, in places and artifacts being imbued with that energy. What was that like? Well, you know, on one hand, it was incredible. But I also feel like, on the other hand, it's quite common in the sense that, you know, I've worked in, I've worked in um, amazing studios for years in, 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 in Hollywood uh, and Los Angeles, sorry, all over the city. Um, and you know, a, a really amazing mic is 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 often used, <laughs> you know. So so because so, they don't make them like they used to, and and there is something very organic about that whole um, world. And and so I, I'm pretty sure that a lot I've used a lot of mics that have been used by a lot of great people. Um, but yes, pointing that out and and really focusing on that for this recording was 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 a was was a wonderful experience. Um, and I think especially doing it in the room, you know, where, where she where she recorded herself, you know, gave it an extra um, kind of, you know, sparkle. But um, but yeah, but it's uh, it's one of the, the perks of, of, of living in, in, in L.A. You know, there are problems with this town, but there there are <laughs> there are upsides, too. I mean, that room and that microphone. I was at a concert of yours once and you described yourself as the secret child of Judy Garland and Frank Sinatra. So I feel like being in that room is perfect right yes, there. Yes, yes. I was, I, was, I was born in that room. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, I, came out of, I came out of an amplifier. <laughs> an old tube amplifier. Yeah, classic. Did you own any, any artifacts of, uh, of Judy's? Um, do I own any artifacts of Judy's? Uh... You know, I don't. Um, I I do have a, a signed copy of of, uh, of of her of her you know Carnegie Hall record that wow. she signed. Um, I don't. Uh, the one that I you know I, I was very close to Carrie Fisher, um, so I have some you know um, some some uh, some of her stuff, but uh, and, and some stuff of her mother's, but uh, but nothing of Judy's yet. I'd like to get what I'd love to get is a compact. <gasps> I'm I, I'm a collector of compacts. I have quite a few compacts of famous opera singers, uh, like you know uh, Regine Caspan, Victoria de Los Angeles. So you know for makeup and stuff. So maybe I'll maybe I'll ask Lorna if she could, you know, one day oh, con contemplate that. that as a 
as a gift of sorts, or I'll pay you know, something. <laughs> This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. I love. I watched the, uh, the the virtual concert when this was recorded, and I love that your your micro audience uh, consists of Renee Zellweger, who obviously is a, a dear friend of yours and brilliantly portrayed Judy. And I was wondering when she was in the midst of making that film, did you both talk about you know about kind of getting inside Judy at all? Well, I mean, we we had a we had a couple of. Um interactions uh, but but she'd already really made the film at that point you know this was when we were she was working on the album uh from the movie uh but uh you know i yes we had a couple of conversations uh, of sort of the af- but it was mostly about the aftermath of having you know inhabited her 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 um spirit and um 
So, so yeah, and it was, it was, it was, it was really um, wonderful. But, but, but in terms of like when, when, you know, when she began that process, you know, I think she was, she's a, she's a professional. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. Doesn't need my help. I think referring to the, the original concert you did in, in 06, you described it as an exorcism of sorts. I was, I thought that was a really interesting choice of words. I wanted to ask you more about that. Yeah, no, it was very much a kind of, um, celebration, but yes, an, an exorcism as well. I had sort of, um, moved to Hollywood uh, to make my first album and, 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 and brought along my, you know, Judy obsession uh, as well. And, um, and I kind of went on and on and on. And, and, and then, uh, yeah, at a certain point when I decided to do the, uh, the Carnegie Hall concert, I, I, I think I was, I was just ready for another stage in my life uh, where I could sort of, um, I don't know, just uh, focus on, 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 on other kind of, uh, legacies, shall we say. Um, and, uh, and so I, 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 and I did actually, after, after that series of concerts, um, feel less kind of, you know, um, inclined to, uh, you know, to, 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 uh, buy a Judy Garland record whenever I would go to a record store, which was, which I used to do all the time. Um, and what's also interesting is that when I did the, the 10th anniversary concerts, um, at both Carnegie Hall and also in Toronto, with an orchestra, um, the minute I started them, um, I in- instantly felt nothing like Judy Garland. I really did feel much more like my dad, Frank Sinatra, <laughs> um, and you know had this had more of a masculine um, kind of approach, uh, kind of more a tougher uh, delivery, shall we say? Uh, but what, what's nice is that now with this uh, recording that I did it, that we did at Capitol Studios and and so forth. Um, I, I, th- I feel like she's returned. You know, I feel like there's, there's sort of, uh, I'm, I may be more channeling, channeling her, her studio work and her, um, and her kind of, how can I say it? Her, her kind of almost medical or, uh, fine, you know, attention paid to, uh, to the songs, you know, there's the clinical, um, precision, ability, precision that she had uh, with singing that you, that sh- that's captured in her studio work. So, so yeah, so it's, so she's back. <laughs> oh, that's one of the things that I think is so amazing about these arrangements that are more stripped down. It doesn't have the 36 piece orchestra, but a, a small jazz combos. I feel like there's, there's more room for the emotion to shine through and we can hear kind of every breath of and pause of yours more. And I think that that makes it, it adds a level of, I don't know what the right word is. Darkness is certainly not the word I want to use, but there's, you can... S- depth. Yeah. Depth, uh, which, uh, which is, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, I think it's a combination of things. It's both doing it in the studio, but also the fact that I've now been singing these songs for almost 20 years. So they are, you know, very much encrusted in, 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 in my bones and stuff. And um, which Judy had when she did her Carnegie Hall show. That was always something that um, that I, I feel like I was, you know, I just, I, I could never, you know, match. Uh, but now that I feel I can maybe match her on certain numbers, not all of them by any means, but uh, on certain ones, I, you know, those songs I have made my own, some of them. Is it in a sense because you you've lived some of them in a way? Is oh suddenly those experiences are are more personal to you? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're also you know, you know, there are love songs and and <laughs> there are also songs about survival and songs about um, you know, uh, sentimental um, 
thoughts and 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 uh so yes i think as you get older you um yeah you start to you know things become more precious and and more valuable and and more fleeting and and uh and and so therefore a little bit more you know sad so 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 the songs i can sort of imbue the, the songs with that and that's the thing that always blows me away is that I'll, I've, I've reached to put on your your live album and or horror original live one as well over the years. And, you know, I'll put it on when I want to, you know, hear when I feel a little nostalgic and I want to hear, you know, almost like being in love or something and feel a little up and I'll put it on. And I'm always blown away by the power of it and just the struck by the power. It's is that just the depth of it is it's so, you know, you you expect some, you know, some some levity, but I'm always it always becomes a a a something that you can't put on in the background. Let me put it that yeah. way. It's something that demands your attention. Yes. Well, that's that's interesting you bring that up because I think on one hand, that has been my greatest asset and also my greatest <laughs> detraction. Why is that? Well, in the sense, I mean, like uh, the, the music that I've I've created, whether it's my Judy Garland work or my other albums for that matter, um, you know, yes, you cannot put them in the background and and uh, they, they demand a certain amount of attention and that that works great. It, you know, if you're into music and you want to kind of go on that journey, but if you just want to sit around and have a cup of coffee or be watch a commercial and focus on, you know, the car, uh, <laughs> then uh, then my music is it, it can be problematic because 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 it, it does demand uh, all everyone's attention. So so um, so yeah, so it's it's something that I've always tried to juggle. You know, and uh, you know, let's just say that we don't live in necessarily the most um, kind of thoughtful period <laughs> of time and um and uh yeah so it's it's a struggle but but on the other hand i i think for those who who do appreciate that and, and who are willing to um go on the journey with me you know they're, they're they become very loyal and and uh and, and and they keep coming back so it's that's how that's how it works for me i feel like i owe you a huge thanks as a as a Music fan, I was always aware of this concert and, and its place in pop culture history, but it really wasn't until your rendition in 2006 and the album came out in the following year that I delved into this catalog and absorbed these songs. And I was wondering how much of that was a motivating factor for you to kind of pass these songs along yeah. to people that yeah. you know, might not know them. You know, that's a whole uh, subject on its own. Um, the the you know, the fact that 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 though that period in American songwriting is arguably the you know kind of the golden era of uh, of, of American music, um, whether it's you know the uh, the arrangements or the lyrics or the melodies, you know it seemed like everything was working at full speed at that time, um, and uh, so so yeah, I, I I very much consider it uh, kind of a a legacy that that uh, that as an as an American and and I'm both I'm Canadian and American but but as, on my American side you know I, I it's important to um, celebrate and try to match you know uh, whether it's with your singing or your or your songwriting um, for so that we can continue this um you know this uh, excellence um, and uh, and so forth. Do you feel in any way that you've come to understand Judy any better, having gotten insider for these songs and these performances? Uh, well, I mean, I, I do feel that there's a I, through the through the performances and the songs. I mean, I, 
I, I do under, I am constantly, and, and this hasn't really changed over the years, you know, um, amazed by her technical um, ability in, in the sense, not so much in her singing. I mean, she's, yeah, she's an incredible singer and she cuts the corners and, and that's fantastic. But just in the, her whole presentation, you know, how, 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 how she really knew how to move on stage, how, you know, how she, where, where her gaze was focused. Her, she was an incredible dancer, you know. Um, and so just that whole kind of training thing, which, which, uh, which in, my, in our day and age is so lacking, you know, uh, <laughs> in, in terms of, the entertainers uh, today, um, though some ha- can do it, you know, you, you know, Justin Bieber or, you know, uh, Lady Gaga, you know, they, 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 you know, they work really hard on the full package. So, so that's, so it's not dead or anything, but, um, but hers is so effortless and so kind of, I don't know, elegant. And uh, so there's that, but, but in terms of, of, of actually talking to people who knew her um, and worked with her, um, I am I am always fascinated by how I think her personality was very different from from that which the public uh, expected. You know, it was it, mm. I think she was a, I think she was a lot sort of dirtier in the sense <laughs> like she was she was kind of she had a real kind of uh, how can I say this uh, wicked streak <laughs> in her uh, that was hilarious but also pretty uh, you know. Uh, scary, uh, if you were, you know, in the line of fire, and uh, and there was this kind of, you know, punk rock thing about her that um, that uh, is is always, you know, I don't know, pretty pretty fascinating, and uh, and and makes me, of course, appreciate her more. Oh yeah, I, mean, I, I, don't, a- I, don't, I don't. She was not a good girl. <laughs> I mean, watch those interviews with her. I, is she, I think it's Steve Allen that she's on. She gives these great interviews, but she tells these stories, and they're they're she's rowdy on network TV in the early '60s. It's incredible. Yeah, she is, and and I think that that's just the tip of the iceberg, frankly. <laughs> oh, so interesting, so multifaceted. And I do want to say, as somebody who's seen you perform a number of times for twenty years, oh my god, yeah, twenty years. Um, I. I truly believe as a fan you ha- you possess that effortlessness i don't know how you you do what you do you have this ability to i saw you at lupo's heartbreak hotel in uh rhode island in 2003 i believe and it felt like you were singing i remember i was there with a dear friend of mine and we driving home after he said oh my god it felt like he was singing to us and i feel like that's something that that judy and all the greats have where you just connect with everybody in the audience and i um thank you that's thank so you. Well, thank you um this judy uh concert was the finale of your i have to pause Rufus we- Rufus Retro Wainwright Spective. There we go. It was the finale of your Rufus Retro Wainwright Spective where you revisited all your past albums. Um, we actually spoke soon after you started doing these shows in early 2020 for your debut in Poses. I want to ask you, what is your relationship like to these earlier songs now? Do you recognize that person who wrote them and recorded them? Or is it like looking at an old school photo? No, I mean, I know they're all very... I do, I do recognize that that person. I mean, I I tend to subscribe to a more kind of Hindu type <laughs> explanation of existence. I'm not, I'm not Hindu, but uh, but there's they they for instance, and I'm really you know butchering this whole concept. Um, but you know, uh, essentially, they believe that you know a person is made up of six or seven people, and mm. uh, and that you know, and, and I felt over the years that these 
they're very much like a tree. Um, you know, I developed these branches of my personality and, and, and at this point, you know, I'm kind of high up and, and, uh, and I can look down and, and really, you know, still feel and see, you know, these other characters that have, that have, uh, that have, that I've, that I've inhabited and created and, and that are still, you know, within me. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, I think the minute you you start to say, "Oh, I'm no longer that person," that's you know the beginning of the end. <laughs> that's when that person decides to you know hijack the situation. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yes, I'm very respectful of of my past of my past um, incarnations. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You recently released an incredibly fascinating, I guess we'll call it an audio memoir on Audible called Road Trip Elegies, Montreal to New York. Uh, one of the most powerful moments for me was a conversation you had with, with your aunt, Anna, where she told you, I'm paraphrasing, to embrace your family's fantastic legacy, which... To me, it was just like the opening of an Arthurian legend. Yeah. And, you know, it's just so... I've seen those amazing clips of you performing, you know, HMS Pinafore at school as a teen. Was music something that was always something of sort of like a given for you? Or was there a turning point? No, no, music was always um, front and center. Um, and that, that's really mostly due to my mother, uh, Kate, who, you know, now that she's passed, I, I, I really, can, you know... I can quantify the the loss, um, and um, 
because you know she was someone who always needed to play the piano, always needed to you know teach a song to someone, always needed to hear what someone's voices was like if they were visiting. You know, like music was just always streaming through her, through her her veins. And uh, and now that she's 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 gone, it's it, 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 the world is is very different. You know, it's I mean I love to sing, my sister loves to sing, my aunt Anna loves to sing, but we're not necessarily you know doing it every night, which when my, when my mother was alive, you know, that was the case. We still perform a lot and, we, and music is still very central, but, uh, but, but Kate was really the engine. Uh, uh, so, yeah. I loved your song for her beauty, Mark. That's yeah. one of my favorites of yours. <laughs> Thank such you. A, such a great, uh, smirk of a tribute. I love it so much. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm hard pressed to think of an artist who, right out of the gate, had developed such a, a singular voice and style that was all your own. I mean, it just seemed like you arrived completely, fully formed in in 1998. What was inspiring you when you first went into the studio to to record your your debut? Well, I mean, I, I think I was brought up, and, and and both by my mother and father, actually, uh, and family members, to to really appreciate excellence in all sorts of songwriting. You know, whether it was standards or classical music or folk music. I mean, there was a real wide variety of material that I grew up with and appreciated. And so I just felt like whatever I was going to do, it had to match that um, code, you know, and it had to be something that was really attempting to, be, to, 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 you know, I don't know, just last. <laughs> and, and, uh, so, so I just had that, 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 that drilled into me as, as, as a young person. And, and when I went in to make my records, you know, that was my one, my, my main, uh, objective. I mean, it wasn't necessarily about, you know, what the kids were doing at that time or who I was hanging out with or what was going on in the mainstream. It was just about like, let's try and create something that's, that's as good as what I grew up, what I've heard so far and what I've learned to appreciate. And, um, it was this kind of tunnel vision that um, that once again was 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 a, was a help and a hindrance because you know I, I was I was certainly recognized but I wasn't it wasn't by any means what what was going on uh, musically uh, at that time so it was uh, it was an interesting journey. Here's a a loaded question that I didn't write down but it's just popping in my head now. Do you consider yourself a romantic? <laughs> um, well. I always find the word romantic so interesting because, you know, it, it, it comes from Rome. Um, you know, I guess it's, it's sort of about, you know, it, it, it pertains to, you know, like, like these kind of Germans and, uh, you know, 19th century figures who, who started to, you know, become these neoclassic type of, uh, worshipers and, and, and other things. But, but, but Rome itself was very, very kind of, unforgiving and, you know, unemotional and kind of stoic, you know, as a culture. So I, so I think in a strange way, when I think of romantic, I, I think of two sides. I think, yes, uh, you know, yeah, I am emotional. I am, you know, I am driven by my heart's desires. I am, you know, swept away, but I'm also very disciplined and very, very kind of, um, pragmatic and, you know, dictatorial <laughs> when I need to be. Uh, so, so yes, I think in the full sense of the word, uh, thinking about the, both of 19th century romanticism and also Rome, the Roman culture, um, I, I can kind of inhabit both. 
What is your process like when you are writing? Do, is, do you have a feeling that you want to express and go to a piano and kind of play it out of you? Or do you hear music in your mind and it's just a case of getting it down? Both. I mean, it's both. I, I, I set, you know, kind of uh, little traps for myself, you know, <laughs> whether it's, whether it's, you know, having to write a song for um, musicals or, you know, for, for an album coming up. But then, but then m- coupled with that, I, I will, I will, I will be pretty a- awake and kind of, um, willing to, uh, receive messages from wherever, you know, and there's often like turns of phrases or little melodies that kind of strike me and that I know immediately that I've caught something by the tail and that I got to go home and, you know, reel it in. So, so it's, uh, it's kind of a combination of, of both, of, of, um, you know, being you know very organized about it, and also being completely receptive and willing to you know go with the flow. Is there an element of superstition involved at all? Oh yeah, no, totally. Uh, for me, I mean, I do. You know, I, 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 I have tarot cards. I, I uh, visit you know grave sites. I, <laughs> you know, I, I do. Uh, I have pilgrimages. I, I, uh, I, 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 I respect you know birthdays of, of, of famous songwriters and stuff so it's so yeah no it's all i whatever for whatever powers i can muster i i uh, i call in i love that so much that was something i loved about road trip elegies where you kind of talked about the relationship between geography and creativity and songwriting and i thought that was so cool how how a place can influence you you know so deeply and you live in laurel canyon now that must be very inspiring. No, it is incredibly inspiring. And I'm actually working on an album now that I'm finishing up, which is really more folk-based. Um, and yeah, no, I've, I've been singing some of those, you know, classic Laurel Canyon numbers. And, and uh, yeah, very very much I'm trying to bring back this kind of 60s uh, optimism that, uh, that uh, we are sadly, you know, not inhabiting at the moment. <laughs> oh, I've been loving some of your your covers of I Saw Harvest recently and your version of Who Knows Where the Time Goes with Brandy Carlisle is amazing. So I love your your covers of that that era. Um there's there was an interview you gave recently. I thought this was so interesting where you were talking about the song Poses and which is something that I had always assumed was autobiographical and you're talking about how you wrote it about an acquaintance or a friend and it wasn't until years later that you realized you were sort of describing what was happening to you and I I wanted to ask do you often find yourself learning things about yourself from your own songs um yes I mean I mean I I will say that you know for anybody who wants to know the truth about me and and who wants to sort of dive into the deep end of, of my you know existence it's all in my songs I mean it's everything that I write is very much um, bound to a, you know a personal um, either a personal experience or a personal view or a personal you know trauma whatever and um, and it's kind of uh, and I have found over the years, now that I start to look back at, at songs that I wrote, wrote uh, when I was a lot younger, that 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 in fact I was, I was being um, very honest and very kind of, um, I, I was bearing myself uh, in this material, and uh, and that is the true kind of um, 
testament of, of, of who I am and what I, what I believe in. Um, so it's, uh, it's all in there. <laughs> and, uh, and that is, uh, you know, I've made that, uh, that bargain, you know? Uh, so yeah, definitely. And your songs are so personal, which is, I think, why so many people connect with them. At what point do you start thinking about the audience when you're writing? Or do you not? Is that, is that limiting to you? Well, I like to think, what I, the only thing that I like to think about is that if, if, if the song is to be interpreted by somebody else, mm. or if it's, um, you know, to be approached in a way that the, that the performer doesn't have any kind of connection to me or, or know anything about the backstory, that it, that it does make sense, you know, that it has its own kind of architecture. So I, I am cognizant of that. And I also think a lot about, you know, uh, you know, am I, you know, ripping off someone else or is this too similar to, to something I've written before? You know, is it, does it stand on its own? So I, I, I do, I am very uh, cognizant and careful about that kind of stuff. I feel that a lot of creative people find it hard to to make a differentiation between their lives and their work and which for good reason because it's such a reflection of yourself and who you are and it comes from such a personal place and whatever you're going through are there times when you feel like that when you feel like it's tough to distinguish between those two draw draw a line um i mean there i i think it's i think there are but it's mostly in life i mean in the mm. sense that that you know, I work all the time, and I'm writing all the time, and I kind of live in this kind of cloud-like. I live in this cloud in this cloud-like existence. Um, but then, when there are you know daily or or maybe maybe more weekly, shall we say, <laughs> events that occur where you know you got to do your ho- the homework with with your your kid, or you have to clean up the house, or you have to. Um, go to the doctor, you know, whatever, you know, you, you do, um, you are, you are, I am kind of woken up <laughs> and, and, uh, a bit brutally and, and taken out of this dream that I'm, that I mostly inhabit. So it's, um, but, 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 you know, it's, it's, uh, look, I'm, I'm a very fortunate man. I have, I have incredible family and friends and, and I've done well in my career so I can afford, you know, to live uh, a certain way. So it's, so it's it's all good, uh, but yes, it can be a bit of a rude awakening when you have to, you know, <laughs> do you do homework with with your eleven year old, and you're like, oh my god, I might not know this. <laughs> oh, no. oh Viva's got to have the best tasted music of any eleven year old. Oh my goodness, she has very good tasted music. She does actually. Yeah, oh, she loves Dolly Parton. She loves she loves um, the Rhythmics. Yeah, no, she, she what. Yeah, no, wow. she has, she has a good she, has a good, and she also knows all the popular stuff that the kids listen to. So she's, yeah, she's very um very curious kid in that sense. Has she taught you any new uh, any new uh, music names yet, or or is that kind of a few years down the road? Uh, she's tried to, but I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty um, I'm a bad student in that sense of what's popular. I've always been, you know, I I, I it takes me several years to realize why something is a hit. Which is, you know, sort of not the point of the whole exercise. <laughs> um, 
It's funny. I mean, the last two years, I feel like, you know, it's been so uncertain and stressful. I've been finding myself revisiting music I haven't listened to in decades, stuff I listened to in high school, just as kind of musical comfort food. Have, have you been been doing that? Kind of like we were talking about with Judy. I mean, I think there's some interesting stuff. I mean, that now there's, I mean, Little Nas, I do like Little Nas X. I actually like The Weeknd. Um, and I do, you know, there's, it's not all terrible. Um but that being said, I, I I don't feel that there's necessarily a kind of we're in a high point in terms of songwriting. Uh, I, I you know it seems more about you know the the package that's being offered and sort of the the dream that's being um, attacked or, <laughs> or, or or that they're attacking with and. Uh, so it's it's not uh, it's not about the actual songs themselves uh, that uh, and that's you know but that but that's my territory that's where I'm sort of you know staking my my uh, my claim. Last summer, on the heels of your absolutely phenomenal and Grammy nominated, I might add, album "Unfollow the Rules," you released the track with Amber Sounds called "Technopra," um, which was a whole new sound for you. It was so cool, Rufus does EDM. Uh, where where did that come from? Is that something that you want to explore further? It's so interesting. Well, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a pandemic uh, pastime because <laughs> uh, you know I worked with with uh, Zen Freeman on that and uh, and um, and he lives down the street. So I think it was one of oh. these things. I think it was one of these things where you know because there weren't there wasn't touring going on and 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 we were you know homebound that, that it was a good idea to just check out who lived in the neighborhood <laughs> and who, who we could just hang out with, um, you know, safely and, 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 and make music with. So, so I think that that really stemmed from that whole situation. I mean, there've been so many uh, incredible home concerts that you've shared with fans over the last two years while we were all kind of homebound and obviously you're keeping busy with music. Are there any other sort of new hobbies that you've discovered uh, in the last two years? Uh, well, drawing. I've been doing a lot of illustrating. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. No, I I went to art school briefly uh, in Montreal when I was uh, uh you know a teen in my twenties, and so so uh, so yeah, I've taken that back up, and and uh, and it seems to have stuck. Um, I I now draw uh, regularly, and uh, we use some of the artwork in the in the, in the last album, but uh, you will be seeing more of it uh, in the future as well. Oh, that's so exciting. Oh, my goodness. Do you have any, how far, I know it's probably too early to say, but how far along is this uh, new album? It's almost, we're mixing it right now. Oh, wow. Oh, this folk record. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to even announce anything, but um, but it will be, it, it, I think it's going to come out around my birthday, uh, which is uh, in, in, in about a year. So so there's still time, but it's, um, or, or, or in, in, in honor of my birthday, I'll be 50 next year. Um, so, uh, so, so yeah, so around my 50th, uh, birthday, we're gonna, we're gonna have a, what is it? A, a picking session. <laughs> <laughs> Do some picking. Oh my goodness. Rufus, I could talk to you all day. I, I, my, my last question before I let you go, and it's a corny one, but I'm, I'm genuinely curious if you could have a moment with Judy and you could say one thing to her, what would it be? I, I, I think I would just say thank you, uh, for, inspiring me for so long and also for being this um you know endless source of of fascination both both fascinating and inspiring 
So yeah, just a big thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Studio, a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio or other fantastic shows, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.